0: Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with the Blue Gold Report podcast, fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report.
1: All right, we are ready to rock and roll with the in season version of the Blue Gold Report. Mike Rags and Todd Burlitz here to get you ready for Notre Dame football and other sports as well. We do this each and every Friday. We record it for a podcast, and every Saturday morning you check it out on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. And, of course, if you are listening on this Saturday morning, Fighting Irish preview will finish. uh, We'll follow the show with Phil Houck. And of course, uh, he'll break down the Louisville game um, a lot, a, a lot much like we will in just a few minutes. That's right. It is week one of the college football season, Labor Day. And we'll break it down for you. Todd Burlidge is here to help us out. We'll talk about what some injuries might mean for this opening day game and look at the uh, depth chart as we get ready for the Cardinals. Todd, uh, it's game day weekend. This is kind of exciting. Yeah, we've been waiting for it and counting it down for a long time now, haven't we, Rags? We sure have. We had some action over the weekend. We saw that Clemson is (laughs) going to be a machine this year. Uh, So thank God they're not on the schedule maybe until the very, very, very last game of the year.
2: (laughs) Yeah, nothing like getting bumped out of the playoff hunt in week one or two, right? I'll tell you what, man.
1: Let me tell you. They they look strong, uh, not only uh, with the back. Remember, they've got a great quarterback as well. But we digress. We're hoping for a, a big breakout season as well and uh, follow up that undefeated season and maybe go one step further. All right, Todd, uh, before we do anything else, we always like to break down uh, the Blue Gold Nuggets. What do you got for us?
2: Well, this show is 99.9% football. Uh, I have a four-pack of Blue Gold Nuggets. I'll get the 0.1% <laughs> out of the way here. Uh, Michaela Mabry, she has joined Muffet McGraw's staff as an assistant coach. Obviously, women's hoops we're talking about here. She will take the place of Nyle Ivey, uh, who moved on to the Memphis Grizz- Grizzlies of the WNBA. Mabry was a former captain here. Um, she played from 2013 to 16. Um, great player. Actually, she played that that class, that 13 to 16 class, is the all-time winningest class in Notre Dame history. Went to three Final Fours there. Moving on to some football news. The saga of sophomore wide receiver Kevin Austin continues. Brian Kelly was asked about him. It's, it's hard to get, it's hard to kind of figure out, but Kevin Austin apparently is not going to play football this year, but yet is still with the team and is still enrolled in school. He's a six foot two Fort Lauderdale kid. Um, actually, had, had a little bit of success last year. He played in four games, had five receptions for 90 yards, so that's a nice per catch per average. And in a thin wide receiver crew, it's another hit for this group. Mm. No, that's for sure. I don't even know why I pulled this one up, but I do it just kind of uh, for nostalgia reasons, I guess. Um, the Chicagoland Hall of Fame here, uh, a couple new enrollees or inductees, I should say, will be Lou Holtz and Bryant Young, the former great defensive lineman and coach there from Notre Dame. Uh, they will join a list of luminaries from the Irish. Newt Rockney, errors in there. Tim Brown, Muffet McGraw most recently. Uh, Jerome Bettis. Well, none of these people are from Chicago. So.
1: I was just going to say, isn't this a bit of a reach?
2: <laughs> exactly. So anybody from uh, DePaul in this Hall of Fame? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so apparently uh, they're they're thin on on invitees in, in-, in hey, we, the actual Chicago land area. We might so. have a shot at this. I mean. <laughs> exactly. Let's just keep on plugging rags. We can keep this show going for another few years. Uh, last one for me. Uh, just kind of a side note. here. Notre Dame paid New Mexico and Bowling Green $1.1 million apiece there uh, to come in for the one-and-done game. That, That actually is about the going rate when it comes to bringing in these smaller schools just to come and be the sacrificial lamb. Uh, on your turf, and you're not expected to pay them back with any kind of visit. And those are your blue gold nuggets.
1: All right, Todd, we've been uh, breaking down the schedule. It seems like uh, for the last 12 to 14 weeks, looking at week to week, but now we get to do it for real as uh, it is Louisville week. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, The depth chart is getting beat up a little bit here, especially uh, in in the wide receiver position. Uh, What do we got? Where are we at now as far as just their depth chart going into the game?
2: Well, really not a lot of big surprises from what we saw during camp. Uh, We had a lot of access to practices, and so really not a whole lot of changes. You know, all eyes were going to be on that wide receiver situation. I'll get to that in a second, but obviously Ian Book is your quarterback. They're going with sort of a 1A, 1B at running back Jafar Armstrong or Tony Jones Jr., Here's where it's a little interesting, and I'll expand on it here in a bit. But x, was x receiver, that's the wide side of the field. That's going to be Chris Fink. He's going to move from the slot. Yeah, I heard that yeah. uh, to the wide side of the field. I'm okay with that. I'm not in love with that uh, because I did uh, like Michael Young out there, to be honest with you. And so in Fink's spot in the slot, it's going to be Lawrence Keys the third, a sophomore wide receiver. They call that the Z receiver. This will be his first career start against Louisville. Actually, of course, on the boundary side, Chase Claypool. Tight end Brock Wright, who has looked great, done a nice job in camp in the absence of Cole Komet. He will be your starting tight end. Along the line, no surprises here. Uh, Lee Meikenberg, left tackle. Aaron Banks, left guard. Jarrett Patterson, who along with Keys, will be making his first career start. And then Tommy Kramer on the right side, right guard. And Robert Hainsey at the right tackle. Really nothing on the defense jumps out at you as far as any surprises, Certainly, the linebacker situation is still fluid. Um, uh, well, let's start with let's uh, Khalid Kareem. We'll obviously start at one end. Uh, Myron, Amosa, Tygo Velia, Amosa. They, they just always have to do this to me, Rags. Uh, Kurt, he'll be inside along with Kurt Heinish, uh, drop-end Julian Enquaro. That's been the status quo throughout. Uh, here are your starting linebackers. And again, this is going to be fluid, and they're going to run a whole bunch of players in here. But for what it's worth, these will be your starters. Um, on the inside, Drew White. We'll start opposite Asmar Bilal, and then on the rover, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa. He will be your guy that's kind of floating around on the outside there. Uh, Boundary corner, Troy Pride Jr., that was to be expected. Field corner, Sean Crawford, that's a little bit of an interesting story as well there. This is a guy that's been through a lot, and we're going to talk a little bit, expand on him a little bit more. Uh, Strong safety, Jalen Elliott. Free safety Alohi Gilman. Um, obviously, no surprises there. Special teams overview. Uh, we talked about it last week. Jonathan Dora landed the starting place kicking jobs. We knew Jay Bramlett was going to be the punter. Bramlett's also the holder. John Shannon's the long snapper. We knew that all along. I guess of note on the special teams, the punt returners. It looks like Chris Fink's going to be the front man, and then Alohi Gilman, if needed, will back him up. Kick returns. Jafar Armstrong and a fellow young running back, Kyron Williams. Those will be your kick returners at this point. I want to expand a little bit on keys, because this is going to be a critical position here. Yeah, this
1: worries me a little bit, because we've seen Fink become that safety valve in the slot position, in, you know, that, and I wonder how that role's going to change, because he's on the outside. So third down um, mm-hmm. is going to look a lot different
2: for Ian Book. That's a great point. And when you talk about Chris Fink, 49 of his catches last season – I'm sorry, 70% of his 49 catches last season went for either a first down or a touchdown. So, Keys has some big shoes to fill. Frankly, so does Chris Fink now trying to play as a five sure. foot nine receiver on sure. the outside. You know, I, I, I just think of Fink as the ideal slot receiver type of guy with his shifty speed and whatnot. All eyes are going to be on this position for sure. Now, Brian Kelly did say he's going to shuffle in even some running backs into that slot. You're going to get a few different looks at wide receiver. But he did kind of rave about the work that Keyes has done and sort of his athletic ability and his evolution. And here's Brian talking about Lawrence Keyes.
0: Well, I think it's been a body of work. You know, had a, he started to come on in the spring, you know, showed some consistency in performance um we were able to add some sandbags to his pockets uh put on a little weight um you know we felt like um he needed to be sturdier physically he did a great job in the off season of of really attending to that he's kept his weight on um i think i think um, assignment correct uh has been another thing that he's really worked on you know w- we need to rely on players as well. That we know that they're gonna be there and, and line up the right way and, and and be relied on that they're gonna be um, accountable. And, and he's been really accountable in, in all those areas. And then you just take his athleticism. Um, uh, everybody can see that he's, you know, when he touches the ball, he's got great speed. Um, and, and one of the things that he does that's a little bit different than all of our guys is that uh, he catches the ball at full speed. Some guys have to, you know, throttle down a little bit. Um, he can catch it at full speed, and, and that's a great trait to have.
2: And he has done a nice job. He has stood out of camp rags when you've watched him. There's not a lot to him. Uh, under six foot and 176 pounds, I believe it is. I was trying to find it during that clip, but I failed. I, I remember the, the 176 pounds. So not talking about a big guy. So now all of a sudden, we went from really thinking we were going to have a couple big receivers and Young and Claypool on the outside, similar to last year when you had Boykin and Claypool. Yeah. Now you're got now you dealing with the little the, guys. Yeah, the little guys. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, it worked for
1: Golden Tate. You know, it worked sure. for oh, Fink, yeah. you know. So it's not like it can't be done. But Absolutely. When, when you have too many little guys, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. And I thought I mentioned um, Sean Crawford. That's such a great story. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy because that's been the story of his career. This guy has had three career-ending injuries. career am career <laughs> <indeed>. <laughs> so, so, wow. come back from the dead. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> He's a zombie. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Way to go, Sean. You are better than I thought. You are more resilient than any player ever. Um, three season-ending injuries in the last four years. In 2015, as a freshman, he tore his ACL. Um, that was in his right knee. And then he tore an Achilles in 2016 and then he tore an acl last year in his left knee and so he keeps coming back like you said perhaps from the dead (laughs) the question was posed a little bit to the irish staff you know did you ever think about sitting down saying dude might not be in the cards for you Mm. um but brian kelly said "No, no 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 chance um he just likes this kid's resiliency and now seeing him starting at cornerback. And the thing that's jumped out at me and everybody else that's watched him during camp rags, he's really been all over the place. He's a jack-of-all-trades. He's played the nickelback. He's played safety. He's played corner. So you want to keep him healthy because, really, you can plug him in about any spot. And really, here's Brian Kelly talking about the resiliency.
0: All my conversations with him were about uh, rehabbing and coming back. Look, I mean, I think it's easy to um, – you know think that behind the scenes there could have been conversations about you know is this it for me you know um, but formal conversations about him sitting down with me or any staff member about not playing again never occurred. Uh, Look uh, I mean there's always going to be those times uh, those low points where you're going through a third you know operation that maybe it's not in the cards but uh, it never happened uh, with me and Sean. I have always felt that he was going to overcome this again because that's the kind of spirit he has, and uh, he's exactly where I thought he would be, um, going to be, you know, playing a major role uh, in the success of this football team. Uh,
1: you know- what is he? Is he a red shirt uh, Van Wilder? What what how, What year is he at this school now, Todd? I mean, he, he, this is he's it, a fifth right?
2: year guy. He's yeah, fifth it seems year like senior. it yeah. certainly seems like a seventh year senior. I'll give you that. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But I hope I just want to see him stay healthy. Absolutely. You, you just have to admire his courage to keep coming back and not saying, you know what, enough is enough. Uh, you know, I've had to rehab from a, a ruptured Achilles tendon. It was no fun. I certainly didn't put in the work that these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. In doing so. But to have to do that three times and be willing to go for it three times and then turn yourself into a starter in an elite football program is very impressive.
1: All right. Let's uh, turn our attention now. We've got uh, Louisville on the road uh, now. Uh, chain, it's a big transition, Louisville. No, the Bobby Petrino experiment is come and gone, so we don't have <laughs> to worry about him anymore. Um, and their quarterback has one of the best names you could ever have for a quarterback. His last name is Pass. Uh, so, t- what do we know about this team, uh, Todd? Let's break down this game. New coach Scott Satterfield. What can we expect uh, from everybody? You know, P- Bobby Petrino was fired last year. If yeah. you guys remember, yeah. So uh, it-, it-, it was only one way to go from Bobby.
2: Well, let's start with Bobby Petrino. You remember uh, his turbulent departure oh, yeah. of Louisville. Well, when- he
1: likes motorcycles and secretaries. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not necessarily in, in that, that order. order. <laughs> uh, Bobby Petrino was at Louisville from for the four seasons between 2003 and 2006. Compiled a 41 and 9 record there, Rags. Not too shabby at all. No, he was impressive. There. Uh, then uh, left on some bad terms there, left on some bad terms other places, <laughs> and somehow got invited back into the fray at Louisville in 2014. Well, his second go around didn't go as splendidly as his first, compiling a 36 and 26 record, including a 2 and 8 start to last season. That's when he was fired. They had, a, they had enough. Um, I'm going to get to just how this team quit last year. It's going to be interesting, but I want to get to Scott Satterfield first. Yeah, he's an alma mater from App State. That's where he coached the last four seasons and did a bang up job. They actually had a crummy first year during his transition year, but after that, he still finished 40 and 11, 40 and 11 in his career there four years again. Uh, 28 and 4 in the Sunbelt Conference, won three straight conference championships. Really a, a sharp guy. You know, I wouldn't call him a young guy. He's in his 40s. Uh, But certainly looks like a good catch for Louisville. He had 13 players leave, and he couldn't Mm. be happier about it. (laughs) I I would think so. And I'm going to give you the breakdown of that a little bit. But I do want to pop this in real quick first, Rags. You know, that was one of the kind of line of questioning. First of all, it's a season opener, which always brings a lot of great unknowns. It's not only a season opener, it's a new coach. So we asked Brian Kelly what kind of challenges that presents.
0: Well, you watch Appalachian State film uh, and, and you know, you, you look at, you know, who the coordinators are and, and you try to extrapolate some of, you know, the things that they've done um, in the past. Um, but some of it is, you know, a feeling out process as well as the game, you know, unfolds. So uh, you have your own system that can adapt to, to most things that you're going to see. You know, you've got to be able to... Um, make some adjustments on the fly. You know, we, we're accustomed to it in a lot of ways because we play a lot of first-time opponents. And, and so we have to be adjusting sometimes when uh, we play a first-time an opponent as well. So uh, it's not that uncommon for us. Um, but tactically, we think that we can adjust you know, to most things. But when you're drilling down, you're going back to, you know, what What were they successful at at, at, at the former uh, school that they were at? And, you know, who are the coordinators? And, and you, you know, you're trying to build a plan based upon those things.
2: Louisville and Notre Dame have played only once in history. That was all the way back to 2014. <laughs> Actually, the Cardinals came here to Notre Dame Stadium and beat them. So wow. I, I, obviously there's not a lot of history to this series. When you're looking at Louisville, the only guy that really jumps out of you and Brian Kelly was the first name Brian Kelly mentioned during his press conference is a gentleman by the name of Mickey Becton. He is an offensive tackle, left tackle for Louisville, certainly an NFL prospect, 6'7", 369 pounds. It'll be fun to watch him work against, mainly against Khalid Kareem, but some against Julian Aquara That's going to be kind of fun to watch uh, if you're looking for just a, a little bit of a sidelight matchup there uh, to keep an eye on. I mentioned... The way that Louisville quit last season, and boy, it comes into full fold. You know, first let me back up. This is how bad they were. First of all, I mentioned that nice NFL prospect lineman. Well, he's about all they had last year. Now they re- they rebuilt this line. They gave up three point five eight sacks per game last year, uh, forty three total, which was second worst in the country. They finished two and ten on the season and lost their final nine games. So this team really tanked. Again, you don't look at those sack-allowed numbers from last year so much because other than Becton, it's really a a brand-new and rebuilt offensive line. I don't know if that's good or bad. I guess we'll find out. But not only were they bad offensively, especially at protecting the passer, they were awful defensively. Um, Among 130 FBS Division I teams, they finished 128th in scoring defense, 127th in rush defense, and 122nd in total defense. Really bad numbers. It got so bad, Rags. During the entire season, the 12-game season, seven times an opponent scored 50 points on him. Wow. Wow. It gets better. Here's the last five games of last year. The last five games, the point totals of these opponents, needless to say, since they lost nine straight, they lost all five of these games. Wake Forest hung 56. Clemson hung 77. Syracuse 54. NC State, 52, and Kentucky, 56.
1: Now, can I add just one thing? Sure. Because Notre Dame fans will relish in the fact who their defensive coordinator was last year when all of this went down. (laughs) It was the one and only BVG, Brian Van Gorder, was there. And their defense managed to be 128th out of 130 schools possible in points allowed per game. And you just basically went through why. 44 points a game they averaged. I can't I can't
2: believe that two teams were worse than that It's <laughs> a, you know, a great point. They lost those last five games by an average score of fifty nine to nineteen. That's so you talk about needing a change in attitude, a change in coaching staff, a change in routine, a change in roster. This was a team that needed it. And really, Rags, That this was a program that was humming along pretty sure. well. Teddy I Bridgewater. And, it, it, and if, since they got sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. Heisman. I mean, exactly. come on, yeah. I think I read something where they had won eight games in a row for, since like 2012, at least eight games. So, I mean, it was a program that was running along perhaps. It, it, it just, but it really looks, after last season, like a massive rebuilding project. I don't know, maybe including something. the quarterback because he was
1: a four-star recruit that kind of got jerked around by Petrino, and now no one knows what to expect from Juwan Pass. He does have a good wide receiver in Des Fitzpatrick, so uh, there is some future maybe there. Who know? Yeah. You, like you said, and like we've talked about, how do you know when you don't know?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think just that we'll have to see if that uh, Satterfield change in attitude and approach takes immediately. Typically, it takes some time, and I think extremely rarely does it take. In game one against a top ten opponent,
1: yeah, we'd all feel a little bit better if Brian Van Gorder was still the defensive coordinator <laughs> <laughs> come Monday, right. uh, But uh, he's not, and uh, you know BK and the, and the likes. Uh, we'll have our predictions here in a couple seconds, but they, they got to feel pretty good heading into this game because they seem a little bit more solidified of what they are, who they are, and where they want to be than this team.
2: You would think so, but when you asked Brian Kelly that very question, Rags, I was a little bit surprised because he said some years he has a really good feel on what his team is coming into the season opener. Kind of indicated that this year he, he can't wait to see this opener because he's going to have a better feel for where their heads are afterwards. And actually, here's, here's the breakdown of it from BK.
0: Each year, you kind of have a gut feeling. I don't have a gut feeling, per se, as much as I know certain players and how they'll perform. I think what I'm waiting for is um, what mindset the group brings. A few years ago, we had a a, a mindset that they really wanted to dominate their opponent. Um, I think the mindset of this group kind of comes together after a first game. I'm not sure what that is right now. Um, are they going to go in and kind of hang in there, or are they going to go in there and exert their will? Uh, do they have to come out and um, feel it out? I, you know, that kind of unfolds when the group plays. I think Ian Book is a really good player. I think Julian O'Cour is a really good player. I think Aloha Gilman's a really good player. I think those guys that we know about are going to play at a high level. Uh, and then I think that, um, by and large, our system, our process will take care of itself um, but you really don't know about uh, your football team in terms of their mindset until you really play the game. Each year has to take on its own uh, mindset. You can talk about messaging from year to year and process never changes but a mindset really has to happen with the individuals and so um, you know we can craft it but they really have to go ahead and do it.
1: Nobody likes when a coach ever says process in any sentence ever, but, you know, it's understandable he would use it there. I have a question for you. Has they Have they ever played on Labor Day ever in their history?
2: I, I would think the answer is no, right? The answer is absolutely no. They played on three Mondays for whatever reason, all under Air Parsegian. Um, were,
1: were they bowl games?
2: Maybe uh, op- oh, open to season. Open to season on okay. Monday, and I don't know how that works. I I,
1: I don't know. That's uh, uh, yeah. It's a, it's an anomaly, but it's kind of cool because what are we doing on Labor Day? We're not doing anything. The whole idea of Labor Day is to not work, so you could sit back and relax and watch a football game. I
2: guess, but you know what? Eight p.m. on a Monday night when you have to go back mm-hmm. to work True. on Tuesday morning. At least it's not a have, home game. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the kids kids have to get back to school. I don't know. A couple of people I've talked to are kind of ticked about the. It, it is the only game in town, and therefore ESPN is totally taken advantage of it. I mentioned the 8 o'clock start. Oh. You're going to be able to catch this thing all over the place. In addition just to the regular broadcast on ESPN, there's going to be a blimp cast, for crime sake, if you want what? to lock into that. Uh, the, sh- the game will be shown from the Goodyear blimp and a Skycam broadcast, and you can get that on ESPN3. And then the ACC network will have an all-ACC watch party during the game. Uh, that will feature Irish graduates Jack Collinsworth and Mike Golick Jr., and former Louisville offensive lineman Eric Wood. So that'll be exciting for folks that are really, really into this. Todd, Uh, if we were really
1: into it, it, we we should do a a live podcast watching the game together. Yeah, we should. Half in the bag. We should. (laughs)
2: should. Half in the bag. (laughs) 8 o'clock on a Monday, right? Come on, you know me better than that. (laughs)
1: Oh, man. Well, you got any other anomalies? That's body bag time. (laughs) That's true. Any other anomalies
2: here that we need to know about before we head into our predictions? Well, I guess the one thing, real quick, is you mentioned the Labor Day start, and I wish I had it in front of me, but um, it is the first of all time. There's another one coming up. Can't remember the opponent. It's either next, I think it's two years from now. I think it's in 2021. The difference between that one and this one is that they Notre Dame comes off a bye this year. So they'll get the bye, and then they'll get New Mexico at home. This next one coming up, there is no bye. So they'll play on Monday and then have to come back and play on Saturday. So when we're still doing the show, we'll be be chirping about that.
1: Well, uh, let's talk about this. Now, as far as the weather report... um, In Kentucky, I mean, we're talking about Dorian affecting games on Saturday and Sunday. Remnants of that going to be around on Monday, we think?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it looks like it's going to move right up through there. I'm sure that could very much be a factor. That's why I kind of ask about it off the air with you, Rags. It'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, As we get to money, I can't imagine it being a huge impact. It's certainly no. not going to cancel the game or anything like that.
1: Well, but. I think actually that might even work into the advantage of Notre Dame as well. I think they're going to win this game up front, both sides. They're bigger, stronger, and been together longer. Uh, I, see, I, I probably see this more lopsided than you do, especially with the unevenness of the, 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 the program of Louisville right now.
2: Uh, I, I see somewhere in the area of 31-7 Irish. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit more than that. I think you're undervaluing Notre Dame's offense with the 31 points, to be honest with you. I, the Scott Satterfield era begins. I think he's a fine coach. I think he will get this program gone, but it's not going to happen overnight, and it's certainly not going to happen over one training camp. Um, I like Notre Dame to really come in and dominate. Think I think, though, I like 40 to 10 rags, I, and I just think that I 10. Off too far off. Yeah. If it was Brian Van Gordon, I would have said 66 to 3. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at 40 to 10, I think it, maybe it's a mop up touchdown late for Louisville, but uh, I, I, I don't see Notre Dame having any problems in this one. All right. That is our first one in the
1: books during the season, 2019. Hey, we were undefeated in our regular season uh, blue gold reports last year. We, we, we weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, up next, if you're listening on Saturday morning, of course, you got Fighting Irish preview. Phil Hauck will be here to break it down even more. We'll be back again next Friday. Uh, Todd, we'll do it all
2: over again. Go Irish. All right. Sounds good, Rex.
0: This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions. Podcasts
1: by Federated Media.